Hey, so I get to launch a new series today. I'm so excited about this series. It's got a very simple title, Kingdom. Uh, this series is really not just a multiple week series. This is a multiple part series. It's going to have two parts. There are going to be a few weeks here that, in my mind at least, is part one, and then we're going to shift gears a bit and have a part two. And I'm really excited about this. I told our volunteer team this morning, I'm going to say it again, I really and realistically feel in my heart that, this is, uh, the, that these are some of the most important messages that I've ever delivered. And I, I believe it's going to be the most important series that we've done. Why? Because we are a part of a kingdom called the kingdom of God. That is where we are residents of. That kingdom is in this world, but not of this world. And the world is going one direction. The kingdom is going the opposite. And if we're not careful, Paul told us in the book of Romans, our mind will become conformed to the direction this world has taken if we don't renew our mind to the truth that we're in a different kingdom going a different direction in this world, not of this world. And as we can get a hold of that, as we can grasp that truth, it will change everything about us because we'll start responding differently in every moment of life. We'll start responding differently to every issue that comes our way. We'll start responding differently to people. We'll respond differently to the world. Do you know what it will begin to look like? A whole lot more like the way Jesus responded to the world. Right? So many times uh, in our own humanity, we talk about going a different direction than somebody else. For some reason in our humanity, we picture a fight. We picture two boxers going at it. But that's not really the way Jesus treated the world, is it? No, he walked around in perfect love. And what is perfect love? But it's patient. It's kind. Never jealous. Never proud or rude. It's not demanding. It forgets when it's wronged. Man, that's a big one. Not demanding is a big one. Love weeps at injustice. It rejoices when the truth prevails. Love protects. Love hopes. Love perseveres. Love never fails. We don't need to go around. We are going a different direction from the world, but it's not a boxing match. No, it's not a boxing match. It's, it's knowing that we're going one way and calling people in and calling people in through love to come that way with us. Man, if we can grasp that truth, Part of that truth is that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? But powers and principalities. If you feel like you're wrestling against flesh and blood, in other words, some other person, that's not what you're called to do. You're called, you wrestle against powers and principalities and the good news in that area, it's a done deal. Jesus gave you all the authority, the authority to cast out demons, to, 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 uh, to be bitten by a serpent and, and not be harmed. He gave us authority to go heal the sick, to raise the dead. Man, that's all very loving things to do, right? And we got to go do that as we become more aware of this kingdom we're a part of, the laws of how it operates and how we operate within it. It will begin to permeate into every part of our life. It'll start in your own heart. It'll spill over into your home. It'll go with you wherever you go, your place of work, your occupation, your community, your greater community, your city, your world. It's our vision here, home, local, global. The hope of Jesus in every home, in our city, and in our world. 2 Corinthians chapter 
says, We all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So how do we become changed? How do we become more changed into the image of Jesus himself, of our Savior? How do we become more conformed to the image in the kingdom? How do we become that? By beholding as if in a glass the Spirit of the Lord. Another translation says the glory of the Lord. That's what we're going to be doing. There is a thing called the covenant, the new covenant. Jesus came, died for us, and gave us a covenant of grace. And when we understand what that means, when we understand how it works, we become changed and conform to that image of Christ instead of the image of the world. But we got to go. We got to know how it works. We got to know what it's all about. So today, our focus is going to be the differences in the two covenants that you read about in the word the most. One's labeled the Old Testament. You could call it the Old Covenant. One is labeled the New Testament. You could call it the New Covenant. There is actually a difference between where you live as a believer and where the Old Testament prophets, kings and, and saints lived. The way we go to the Father is a very different path from the way these Old Testament saints went to the Father, right? The Old Covenant and the New Covenant were leading to the same place. They both, have, they both lead to relationship with God, with your Father, but you get there very different ways under these two covenants. A lot of believers are still trying to get to the Father through the old ways or the Old Covenant. Here's a very simple way of putting it. The old covenant is through your own good works. The new covenant is through the good works of Jesus. And if you're trying to get to the Father through your own good works, you're going to be very disappointed because you're going to fall short all the time. You're going to fall short every day. That's why we need a Savior and thank God for our Savior. Because of Him, because of the work He did, the path to the Father has been cleared and now as we go to him, we can do it free of guilt, free of condemnation every time. And instead of having to wait for the breakthrough and, 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 and do all this, we can just begin to operate in the breakthrough that is Jesus. He is our breakthrough. Really, the world and the kingdom of God work in the exact opposite way. We're going to get into this a whole lot more especially in the second part of this series, but I wanted to give you a little taste with this, right? We could call the kingdom of God it, it, the reverse kingdom, right? That, that you could call it that because it's the exact opposite way of the world. The world says things like receive and then give, but in the kingdom, we give and we receive. The world says, if you're last, you're last. If you're first, you're first. The kingdom of God says the last shall be first, the first shall be last. The world says, if you want honor, go get it. Go sit at the lead table, insert yourself into those places and, and get your honor. And the new covenant, the New Testament, the, the kingdom of God says, take the last seat at the table and let God exalt you in his time. Let him bring you to the place of honor. This kingdom works the exact opposite way of the world. But we were told, if we don't renew our minds to this kingdom, we will just naturally, for some reason in our humanity, conform to the way the world works. But we got a kingdom, and we're going to talk about it, and we're going to know exactly 
what that means if we don't already. I'm going to be in a passage today for the rest of the service. Called, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 18. And, and I'm going to read this because in this particular chapter, Paul basically lays out the differences between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant for us. Man, you can follow along if you can read that. Those are little words. <laughs> I won't get them bigger. Judas said something so funny. I don't know why I just thought about this. But, you know, I think we've unleashed Lisa, okay? So today Wilbur's playing the keys. Lisa is no longer bound to a keyboard. And she, uh, uh, we've released Lisa, I guess. So yesterday was Lisa's 40th birthday. Happy birthday. Um, so me and the kids got her some new shoes. And I don't know if you know this. I know most of you don't know this because I, I just found this out. You know what's not cool anymore? It's not cool to crease your new sneakers. You know how like, you know how like when you walk and your shoes bend? That's not cool anymore. Like it's evidently cool to walk like this uh, because I guess the lack of crease in your sneakers makes up for the ridiculousness of the wrinkle-free sneaker walk, right? Uh, also, uh, Judah even showed me a tutorial of somebody, this is how to get rid of the wrinkles in your sneakers, and they're ironing it, and they're doing steps one through 800. You just can't, you can't crinkle those sneakers anymore. Lisa's jumping around, and, and she's singing that first song, and Judah just leans over to me, and he goes, mom's going to crease those new Yankees so fast. She's creasing the new sneakers already. Man. Well, you know what? Behold, he makes all things new. Maybe, maybe when you worship in sneakers, they're, they're, they're just, I don't know. That was just so funny. I don't know why. For some reason, those small words reminded me of that. I wanted to tell you about it. Okay. It makes no sense, Lisa said. Well, it's Father's Day. I can make it make sense if I want. Okay. You know what I want for Father's Day? I want one of the giant Jersey Mike subs, the ones that are 14 inches long, and I'm going to eat every bite of it at once. Like, I'm not going to save it for later. I want all of it. Okay. Back to this, okay, important stuff. We're done with all that. That's my last rabbit trail. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 18. I'm going to read a little bit of this, and then I'm going to stop and talk about it. Why? Because, you know, familiarity sometimes, you, you just, things are, are, are in one ear, out the other. I mean, I can watch a TV show I've watched several times and not even know what's happening. I pay attention and all of a sudden I see something that I never noticed before and I laugh at it or something. So many times that for somebody that's been in church for years and years, passages of scriptures can be like that where you hear them and it just becomes, oh, I've heard that before in one ear out the other. But I want us to take the time to break this down and really think about it because Paul is straight up telling us the differences between covenants. Why is that important? It is so important. I already talked about it a little bit. But I'm going to tell you why I'm talking about this today. Just a few weeks ago, I was talking with a friend of mine who's been at church here for years, been a part of mine and Lisa's life for years. And she was born and raised in church. And she told us, uh, you know, the first time I ever heard that I was living under a different covenant and a different set of promises than the Old Testament saints was from you guys. I didn't even understand that language until I heard you say you have a new covenant. She said, I just didn't even know what that meant. I had to listen when you were talking and it changed my life. So that's where I want to start today. But I want to 
help you if you if you feel like well I already know about this man there's some good stuff in here for for those of us that have known it for a long time and for those of us that haven't this will encourage you I'm going to dive right in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 5 through 18 keep in mind that the apostle Paul was given such a great revelation of this gospel of grace of the new covenant remember he received Jesus after the apostles the apostles walked with Jesus for 3 years Paul was walking around as Saul killing Christians or at least overseeing the persecution of the Christian church. He had a radical conversion where he saw Jesus after Jesus had already died, resurrected, ascended to heaven. Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus and was given such a great revelation in the book of 1 Peter. Peter refers to Paul's teachings and says they are very hard to understand. Why did Peter say that? Peter walked with Jesus and probably had a hard time thinking, how come this guy that didn't walk hand in hand with Jesus has a greater revelation than I do? So just remember, this is Paul. I believe he had the greatest revelation on the gospel of grace, on this new covenant than anybody. We're going to start with verse 5. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. So first thing, he mentions the new covenant. There is a new covenant that means there was an old one. We are living like Paul under this new covenant. It doesn't work the way the old covenant works. The word covenant is a kind of fancier word for contract or agreement. So there's a contract. There's an agreement between the Lord and the way we operate as his children. We have a covenant. This is like what Paul is saying. We have a new covenant. It's like you have a job for 20 years. Let's just say your job, you go to work every day. Your job is to clean the top. Tires, or, or you put the tires on the car and one day your boss comes in and he says, giving you a promotion, giving you a new job. Tomorrow you're running this entire department. No more cleaning tires for you. It's a new contract. It's a new covenant. It's a new part of your life. You walk in that day, day one of the new job and you go straight for the tires. You're not operating under your new contract, your new agreement. In fact, you'll be doing something that either you've already accomplished, somebody else already accomplished, or somebody else is doing it. You'll be doing no good, but there is a new covenant, a new contract. Go operate in it. Go be a part. This is as crazy as it is to operate under the old covenant. You have new job. You have a new agreement. Let's find out what it is. We go on. This is a covenant not written of laws, but of the Spirit. First difference, the old covenant was laws. The new covenant is Spirit. They're both about getting to the Father. So in the old covenant, you got to the Father through laws. You got a relationship with God by your obedience to the laws. The new covenant is by Spirit. What does that mean? When you became born again, you believed and you were given a brand new spirit. Now the way to the Father is through that brand new spirit. It's through Jesus. And that's the basis of, of our faith. I'm not sure there's even any denominations out there that would refute this. This is the basis of Christianity. It's not about our own good deeds anymore. It's about the good deeds of one, Jesus. The first Adam sinned. The last Adam was perfect. The first Adam, through him, sin entered the world. Through the last Adam, Jesus, grace entered. And sin is no longer a barrier between us and the Father. 
This covenant is not written of laws, but of the Spirit. In fact, Paul says we're qualified, qualified only because of God, right? So if you think you've been disqualified by your actions, good news. Paul is telling you you're not disqualified. Your actions have not disqualified you no matter what. One man's actions, Jesus qualifies you the second you believe in him. And if that's disappointing to you, I don't know why it would be. I mean, if you thought you were good enough and you were doing it on your own, uh, I'm sorry, I hate to break the news to you. None of you, none of us are good enough. But just like you're not good enough on your own, you're not bad enough on your own to break it either. If your good works don't get you there, your bad works don't get you kicked out. That is good news, and that is different from what a lot of believers tell you. Right? Man, listen, sin, they, it has consequences. You're going to be in trouble. If you live a lifestyle of sin, you're going to be in trouble. They have some heavy consequences here in this world. Do you know what sin doesn't do? Separate you from the Father. Man, that's powerful. You know what? That actually leads the sinner back to the Lord instead of further away. There's a lot of people who are scared that that truth leads people away from the Lord and further into a life of sin, but it doesn't. It does the opposite. Remember, this is the reverse kingdom. Maybe in the world, the way the world works is don't tell them that there's no consequences. They'll go all out. But that's not the way the kingdom works. The kingdom says, listen, tell them the truth. Sin leads to death. It's bad. You should get it out of your life. God does not love you less. In fact, while you were still a sinner, Christ died and came and set you free because he loved you. And just like then, today, your sin does not separate you from the love of God. At any point, at any moment, you can go to the Father, and he will just receive you with love. Man, that is so good. That is such good news. It should get you excited. And in the reverse kingdom, that doesn't lead people further into the lifestyle of sin. It leads people to the Father even more. Man, that is good, good news. Paul preached this, and he wrote, in one of his letters, he said, am I saying that you can go out and do whatever you want? He says, good gracious, no. But he got accused of this all the time. You're telling people they can do whatever they want. He goes, no, I'm not. But what I'm saying, though, is understanding you're not separated from the love of God, that there's no height, depth, not east or west that can separate you from his love, just lead you to him. Let's go back to our passage. The old covenant, this is great. Written, the old written covenant ends in death. But under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. Notice not just that they're opposites, death and life. The old covenant ends in death. The old covenant ends. The old covenant ends. The new covenant gives one covenant was temporary. It ends. It ended. It ended in death. Now there's a new covenant. It gives life. It gives life. And in a million years from now, these bodies will be decomposed and an afterthought. And this new covenant will still be giving life. Isn't that great? Where do we get that twisted? It's written in black and white. The old covenant ends. The new covenant gives. The old covenant ends where? Death. The new covenant gives what? Life. That's a pretty good difference. Sin in the old covenant separated people from that relationship with the Lord. 
The new covenant gives us a picture of what happens between us and the Lord when we do sin. Jesus told us a parable. We call it the prodigal son. But he went out and he lived this lifestyle of depravity. He blew his inheritance. And even when he went back to the father, do you remember what he said? Man, even the servants in my father's house eat better than this. He just went back because he was hungry. He just went back because he thought, man, in my father's house, they at least feed the servants. I could go at least get a meal or two. But what happened in the distance when the father saw him? He ran to him. That's a picture of us. And if we think we're too far gone, the Lord is just running after you. He's running after you at all times. That is a picture of what happens. Let's go back to our, our, our text here. The old way with laws etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. So the old covenant, even though we talk about how it involved our actions, there was glory to it. There was some glory involved, right? They couldn't look at Moses' face because it was shining. His face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. The very shine on the face of Moses when he re received the Ten Commandments was a picture of what was going to happen with that old covenant this is just for a time this is temporary Paul called it a schoolmaster how long do you have a schoolmaster as long as you're in school eventually you graduate and you go uh, you don't have that authority in your life anymore so Paul says Moses face was a picture of this it shone with the glory of God even though the brightness was already fading away shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life the old covenant which led to death there was some glory to it the new covenant gives life and the glory is not going to fade from this new covenant The picture in, 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 in the Old Testament of this forgiveness of sins is so great. I actually just looked at my notes from a year ago. I think it was almost a year ago to the date I shared this, and the Lord put it on my heart to share again. But here's one of the major differences in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And you're going to see how one covenant made of laws is for our flesh and our own good works, and one covenant is all about Jesus. The ritual for forgiveness of sin in the old covenant was uh, the, the head of a family, the head of a household, the father, would go to their own flock and find a spotless lamb. In other words, this lamb couldn't have any blemishes. It had to have perfect skin, I guess, nice set of wool. I don't know, like whatever the, the, the requirements were. I mean, I do know. It's all written in there, but I didn't... I didn't memorize them for this. Uh, Rob could tell you off the top of his head. But these lambs were spotless lambs. There was no blemishes. And the head of the household on Passover would take, or during Passover, would take the lamb to the high priest. The high priest would put the head of the household's hand on the head of the lamb, and this would represent the sins of the family being transferred into that spotless lamb. And then the high priest would kill the lamb, sacrifice the lamb after he examined it. After he examined the lamb, he would say this, the lamb is worthy if he didn't find a blemish. If he didn't find a spot, he would say the lamb is worthy. They would transfer the sins of the family into the lamb through the laying on of hands. They would sacrifice the lamb to represent these sins going to the grave. And then at that point, the family was considered cleansed of their sins because of their own actions, because they brought a sacrifice. Do you remember what John the Baptist said as Jesus walked upon the scene? He said, behold the lamb of God. 
that takes away the sin of the world. The spotless lamb of God, Jesus without blemish, raised on a tree, bled for us, died for us, rose from the grave, ascended to the right hand of the Father. And that's important. And let me tell you why. Because now when we make mistakes and we fail and our sin uh, causes us to fall short of deserving a relationship with God and we go to the Father, do you know he doesn't examine us and say, are you worthy? Just like that high priest in the Old Testament, he looks to his right, he looks at Jesus, he says, is the lamb still worthy? Is the lamb without spot? Is the lamb without blemish? As long as the lamb of God is without blemish, then he looks directly to us and we go straight and directly to him. Jesus is the lamb that gets examined. He is the lamb without spot or blemish. And as long as he is worthy, this covenant gives life. How long is he going to be worthy? Forever. For all of eternity. That is powerful. And when you're feeling guilty and when you fall into that same thing again that you've been struggling with, remember, go straight to the Father and he's not throwing guilt and condemnation on you. He's examining the lamb and he's saying, is the lamb still worthy? He is worthy. Man, that is good, good news. The old covenant was about the physical act, the sacrifice of all these lambs. The new covenant was about one and is about one. It is about Jesus. Man, that's good news. We're going to head back to our text here. If the old way brings condemnation was glorious, if the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way? which makes us right with God. The old covenant led to condemnation. The new covenant leads to freedom. Man, we are made right because of Jesus. Condemnation means to be declared unfit for use. When you condemn a house or a building, it can't be used. You can't use it for a place of business. You can't. I got a friend who owns a building right now. He's trying to renovate by himself because it's condemned and he can't even hire a crew to come in and fix it up because of, I guess, how condemned it is or something like that. I don't know. He just told me he's got to go in and get it uncondemned so that he can hire a crew to come in and do some more work uh, to salvage this building. But to be condemned means to be declared unfit for use. The old covenant was all about saying, look, you're unfit for use. The new covenant is all about saying Jesus is fit for use, and now we can all be used because of him. Man. In fact, Paul says, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they can't understand the truth. So what he's saying here is, if you really want to live this way, you will. But not because of God, because of you. Let me give you an example. When I was 13 or 14 years old, uh, I was reading the story of David. And in the story of David, uh, you know, he, he killed the Goliath. He had victory after victory. And then there's this 
little blip in the story. It says it was the time, this is how the chapter starts, it was the time of year when kings were supposed to be at war. I don't know exactly what that means, but I do know this much. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be somewhere else, but he's up in his chamber. He looks down on somebody else's roof, and he sees Bathsheba bathing, and he says, well, bring her to me. You know that story. So he makes a mistake. He commits adultery. He commits murder, and she conceives a child. And the prophet shows up and says, this child's going to die because of what you did. Well, I'm reading this story as a 13, 14 year old. I'm also reading the story of Jesus, the New Testament, right? I'm reading all this and and I'm reading uh, the words of Jesus. I think the same day I read that, I read the words of Jesus and he said, let me tell you something. If you've hated someone in your heart, you're guilty of murder. If you've lusted after someone, you're guilty of adultery. And then my, my lightning fast brain said, wait a minute, David was guilty of adultery. David was guilty of murder and his child died. I've definitely been lustful before. That means I'm guilty of adultery. I've definitely hated somebody. That means I'm guilty of murder. And this fear came over me that I was going to lose a child, that a child was going to die because I've done the same things David did according to Jesus. That scared me. Do you know why I didn't understand? David was under a different covenant than I am under. David's covenant is different than mine. Jesus came because there is and there were penalties, punishments for sin. Jesus came and took that. Do you know how much freedom I felt when I realized what David dealt with is not the way the Lord deals with me? Jesus took all of that upon the cross, and now the punishment has been paid. He wasn't really saying, uh, you, you, you know, you're guilty of lust and murder if you've had a hatred thought, if you've had a thought filled with hate, if you've had a lustful thought, and, and now you're going to get all these things. No, he was saying, and I took the punishment for all of it. If you're guilty of one thing, you're guilty of all. There's not a greater sin or a lesser sin. It's all covered by the blood. In the new covenant, it's glorious. And you know what? Paul says you can go back and, and you can live that way. If you want to live under guilt and condemnation, it's like putting that veil over your face. But the veil has been removed. Let it stay removed. Keep it removed. Remember what we talked about in the beginning. Look into the glory of God and be changed into that very image. Look into the old ways let that, let, let the old, let the old covenant is what is your driving force. Then guilt and condemnation, the results of that will also, like a veil, be a part of your life. I want to read that again. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so that they cannot understand this truth. If you believe you've earned your salvation through good works, or if you believe you've lost it through bad works, you're viewing your relationship with the Lord through those old ways and keeping that veil over your face. Remove the veil and look into the glory of God, the grace that Jesus gave us. This is what he says next. And this veil can be removed, this is big, only by believing in Christ. Believing, that's it. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil, and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is 
freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. Man, that's good. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. The King James Version says, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed from glory to glory. Man, you want to know how to get stuck where you're at. Man, make it about your own works, good or bad. You want to know how to move from glory to glory and put that focus on Jesus. Remind yourself of what he did. Remind yourself that God, our Father, examines the lamb and says, is the lamb worthy? He is still worthy. The good work of Jesus was a completed work. He stretched his arms out and he said, it is finished. And that's what he meant. It is finished. The path to the Father is clear. Where it was once completely like a, well, we go to Colorado quite a bit and uh, lead worship at this place, at Andrew Womack's place in Woodland Park, and there's one road between Colorado Springs and Woodland Park. And when it snows there, they literally say, hey, they're closing the pass. If you're going up to Woodland Park, you better get there. Because when it snows heavy, you just can't drive to Woodland Park. Well, the pass is not closed anymore because of your sin. Right? You don't have to go and do anything for that to be clear. You just have to believe. That's it. And honestly, if you want to love Jesus more than you ever have, man, start believing that it's all about him. It will not lead you or anybody else to a lifestyle of sin. Believing that the consequences were paid, believing that he took the punishment, will not give you or anybody else a pass to go do whatever you want. It will lead you closer to the Father than you've ever, ever been before. And your heart will begin to beat like His. Your thoughts will begin to line up with His. This is, I started off saying this, we'll start to respond to this world in the way Jesus did rather than the way the world responds to the world. Why do we get so surprised when the world acts like the world? Somebody was asking me about a company, a big company, and pushing their agenda, and they're like, man, you know, everybody's talking about this. This, this giant company is, is, is pushing this agenda where they're just putting sin right in our faces and stuff. And I said, they've always been doing that. The world has always act like the world. Why do we get surprised when the world acts like the world? Yeah. Right? It, it's, it's not an unprecedented time. There's a lot going on, but it's been going on for a long, long time. We're still going the opposite direction. We're still a part of a kingdom that is in this world, not of this world. And the fight looks a whole lot less like two boxers going at it. And it looks like us resting in the completed work. And instead of fighting somebody, man, calling them to come with us, calling them to walk beside us. Man, that's, that's what we see all through the New Testament, man. Uh, the, the apostles 
They called people to walk with them, and the Lord added to the church daily thousands and thousands of people. The message spread like wildfire. And how do they know they were Christians? By their love. There is an old covenant. There is a new covenant. You are under the new covenant. You have a set of promises that people like David never had. David prophesied about them. He wrote about the promises. He looked forward to them. But you have it so much better. Paul said that was glorious. There was some glory. But here in this new covenant, how much more glorious. That one ended in death. This gives life. Man, that's good news. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So this is just a, a little taste of, of what, what we're going to be doing in this series. I wanted to talk about this covenants today, and next week I got a good plan, but we're really going to start getting into some really cool ways that maybe you've never thought about before of how this kingdom works the exact opposite way of what we see in the world, all based on who Jesus is, what he did, and man, as we continuously look into it, we are transformed into that very image from glory to glory. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite the band up as we close.